0: This is the BBC.
1: This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Hello, I'm Anita Arnind and thank you for downloading BBC Radio 4's Any Answers, the sister programme to Any Questions. Good afternoon. Welcome to Any Answers. So, lots we can talk about today. We can talk about Brexit, of course we can. You just heard from in the news that Donald Tusk is saying that even though we are... On that final straight or in the tunnel, whichever way you want to put it, uh, we are unlikely to get a deal. What do you make of that and the efforts of our leaders in all of this? We can talk about the action going on in the Syrian territory where Turkey continues to pound Kurdish positions. These were our allies in the war on terror. What do you think we should do about this? Uh, We can talk about the health of the nation. Should eating on buses and trains be banned? And the thing that you most want to talk about at the moment, the climate, uh, do the aims of extinction rebellion justify the means? It's been a very busy week indeed for protests. Uh, More than 1,100 people arrested. We've had roads in central London and bridges blocked, uh, Downing Street blocked throughout the day by protesters. What do you make of all this? Were you on the march? Are you against the march? Oh three seven hundred one hundred four 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 100 444 is the number. Let's start with our first caller this afternoon. Simon Lamb, it is you, calling from Dorset. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah. Tell us, what do you think of uh, Extinction Rebellion? Are they fighting the good fight or not?
2: Well, for me, they did very well in the spring. I was hugely supportive of them when they were calling for a plan um but that was before they decided to provide one um since then i feel they've lost the plot uh insofar as the extreme nature of demands they're now making and and the disruption they're they're causing i think they've made the classic error of becoming the story rather than telling it
1: um in what way have they crossed the line tell me what it is that they've done that you find egregious
2: Well, it's people who hitch uh, their political trailer to the back of what is the most important issue in the world right at the moment um, are are actually alienating people when we need to carry as many people with us as possible. And once you politicize an issue like this, like Alexander Ocasio-Cortez has in the States, you immediately lose a vast proportion of your audience.
1: There is an email I've got here in front of me. So one of the criticisms levelled in any questions uh, by one of the panellists was that this is an extreme form of austerity that's now being preached. It was Ella Whelan, I believe, who said it. And reacting to that, we have David, who's written in from Penzance. I'll just read you what David has to say. Um, At least one of your panellists seems to think that Extinction Rebellion wants uh, to undemocratically dictate austerity measures. Um, That is not what our, our, our stated aim is. Let me reiterate, let me repeat, this. We want government to tell the truth about the extent of the climate and ecological crisis we are in. And having done that, we want government action consistent with that truth. But since history shows that we can't trust government to do it democratically, we want the empowerment of true democracy via citizens' assemblies to determine how to make this necessary shift to a life-affirming economy fit for our children and theirs to inherit how can we ever trust politicians when they so clearly demonstrate scant regard for the truth? Um, Simon, what do you make of David's remarks?
2: Well, what I make of it is that uh, he's failing to take into account the huge efforts being made by incredibly dedicated people all over the world to protect forests, uh, to change economies, to change our whole outlook towards ecosystems. And this isn't something that's come out of the blue or the Extinction Rebellion have invented um, I believe that Britain could be a world leader on these issues um, and they need to come forward with a master plan because this is a world issue not a national issue okay, okay. and if we simply um, provoke austerity here by setting limits I mean arbitrary limits like 2025 is just a number plucked out of, out of the air maybe we could improve it a little on 2050 okay. but right. um, Very I, briefly, I think Simon. the rest yep. of the work
1: yeah, go on. Sorry, very brief. I think go, go, the rest go, go. of the world
2: would um, would rather pity and scorn us um, if if we if we descend into austerity on the back of this. They certainly won't won't want to follow it. This is a a world issue, and I think Britain, as I say, could be a a world leader. But they have to produce a, a master plan. Okay. That But it changes what I see as the unacceptable face of capitalism, which allows certain markets to pollute and destroy the natural world without cost to them. All right, Simon.
1: Uh, Okay, Simon, thank you very much. Uh, Ali Clark is calling from Oxford. Ali, um, you were on the march uh, and you were protesting this week. Tell me why. And did you hear what Simon said? Uh, I did uh, hear
3: I did here. Let me just correct you. It wasn't a march. Um, I'm 65. I've been on many marches. I have never broken the law. I've never um, sat in the road, blocking a road, which I was doing in Trafalgar Square yesterday. And I did it um, with heavy heart because I don't know whether it is the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. Yeah. But I would like to remind people of um, whoever the politician was who brought in the law about seatbelts. I mean, this is about changing the law and what the government is doing. It's not about changing minds one at a time. Mm. And when the female politician brought in seatbelts, there was a huge outcry and there were death threats to her. And that law came in. And we need to change laws because otherwise we don't change things quickly enough. And I want to say to you that I've got very little grandchildren. But when my grandchildren are Greta Thunberg's age, if I'm still alive and they say to me, what did you do when you knew? Mm. I will say, well, I tried to think clearly and to do what I could and to do everything that I could.
1: You're absolutely right to quote me about it, and, it not being I, a march, but on, ongoing action. Can I just ask you one thing? Um, when Extinction Rebellion first presented their argument and the fact that they were going to use direct action, there were there were certain targets, and that was big industry, big markets, big polluters, Now, when people see that they can't get to work or they can't cross a bridge or they can't, you know, you've heard the reports that went on this week. I have heard the reports. And so do you think that you lose hearts and minds that way and that perhaps the focus has shifted in a way that will not help you? I'm not sure
3: if that's the right question. I have to say, I don't speak for Extinction Reliant. I've never been to one of their events before. I just went there yesterday. I I think the right a policeman and a couple I spoke to, a young couple who were standing at the edge, who were very disapproving, they were saying, we agree with the idea, but we don't like you being a nuisance. Do something else. And I said, I've been an environmentalist for decades. What else? If anybody suggests what else, and now I'm not quite sure whether, the, whether it is... But I don't want to stop people going to work. I don't want to inconvenience people, and I don't want to break the law. And, but I don't accept the idea that all those people in the middle were some kind of elitist who could afford to take time off work. There were people uh, or didn't have to work. Mm. If I were to be arrested and if I were to have a prison sentence, I would have to declare that to my professional body and I would probably be struck off from my professional body and I wouldn't be able to work anymore. And so this is not a light-hearted thing, and the only reason I'm not doing it is because I'm not sure if it's the right thing. Mm-hmm. So when there's a binary choice, is it the right way or not the right way? I mean, Einstein said, didn't he, when you've got a complex thing to describe, describe it as simply as possible, but not any simpler. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh- I don't know whether it's the right thing, but I do think that this is about a political change. And if you remember the seatbelts, you know, may- maybe if what they do is clog up the system enough until something about the system has to change, then that is the way we've got to do it because there isn't very much time to change minds one at a time.
1: OK, Ali. Thank you very much for calling. I appreciate it. 03700 is the number. Basker has emailed saying, uh, did anyone else make the connection between two of your debates? One speaker told us how he'd encourage others to use the stairs instead of the lift, pressing buttons to delay people. Uh, And Extinction Rebellion are going to do the right thing on two fronts. First, they're preventing a climate catastrophe and are a legacy for future generations. Second, they are creating conditions where people have to walk, they have to cycle to work, they are reducing obesity too. Their reward for this heroism is to get arrested maybe you have another point of view. 03700 100 444 is the number to call. Um, we've got Rosemary Michelle, who's calling us from Herefordshire. Hello.
4: Hi.
1: Hello. Hi, Rosemary. What did you want to say?
4: Right. Um, as the previous callers, I've been an environmentalist for many years. Um, however heartening I do feel seeing so many people on the street, especially the young, be, but motivated to save our planet. Do they actually realise that the mechanism they're using to mobilise this revolution is probably the biggest polluter and what i'm talking about is the cloud the data centers that facilitate um the cloud and the many uses the internet we have are used as much fossil fuels as the total world line industry at the present time and this will be increasing exponentially I mean, will this generation be prepared to give up their iPhones, to give up their social media, the shopping online, the photos on Facebook and the streaming of of, of videos and films? Because... This is going to be uh, increasing exponentially and far, far exceed anything that the airline industry or the uh, you know fossil fuels that are emitted from the um, cars, etc.
1: Our first caller, and I think it was David, forgive me if it wasn't David, I, I, I seem to remember he was called David. David said, look, there are all sorts of people hitching their wagons to um, the climate protest at the moment. Um, And and one of those wagons is all about austerity. It's all about changing the very nature and fabric of life in a way that you will not be able to carry people with you. Now, when you say, look, the cloud, you're going to have to give it up. Yeah. A, how reasonable is that? B, how much will you carry people who are actually the most motivated to take to the streets at the moment? Um, And C, how how realistic is your aim?
4: I, I agree, but what I'm saying is... It has to be a fundamental change, but to pinpoint two things, like somebody going on holiday, is is a very narrow view. If people actually realised how much streaming of films, etc., etc., the use of iPhones and all these things contribute to the. Um... So, uh, what would be your top six to well, target I, then? My, my, what I'm trying to say is yeah. by concentrating on the two things and demonising. But what people, I'm trying to
1: understand from you is then what would you would you demonise? How many things? I mean, what what is it exactly that well, I think there you, has ha- you wider, have to be able to?
4: You, if you want to, a wider education yeah. of what um, the society we live in and the use of those fossil fuels mean, rather than concentrating on just okay. the two elements which they're concentrating and and actually demonising anybody that gets in
1: a plane. Okay, thank you very much for your call. Okay. David Hawker is calling us from Northamptonshire. Hello, David. Uh, hello. Hello, David. Yes, also on Extinction yep. Rebellion. Tell me, what do you make of well, what Well, yes,
5: um, I really take my hat off to especially the lady of 65 who was um, on the demonstrations. Um, I haven't been through um, a slight age and uh, laziness, but I feel very strongly they are right. And in my years in the Merchant Navy as uh, a navigator, I saw a great deal of the problems of um, uh, uh, climate change and where it's going by seeing so many people in the third world who do not have enough to eat. And we talk about austerity in this country. Yes, well, you go to the third world and find out what it really is. And I saw huge amounts of deforestation And the damage that that has caused. And um, with wind patterns, I saw a colossal difference in the intensity Mm. and the number of tropical revolving storms. Principally, I was um, in the Far East, so it was the typhoons. And um, the much greater intensity as Japan is experiencing at the moment. Yes. And consider these people saying, oh dear, I can't get to work because of the demonstration. What about what's going on in David, Japan can at I, the moment? Can I
1: ask you, I mean, having seen what you have seen and described it as eloquently as you have, how have you changed your life? What have you given up? And what would you be willing to give up in the future?
5: Um, I eat considerably less and i um you i do have a car i use it less than i used to i um live with less heat i i live in a flat and i have not had any heat on apart from uh, water for the bath and for cooking for the last 4 years And I have spoken at the BP annual general meeting more than once against the use of biofuels. That is using the land Mm. and the water, which should be used for the production of food, if not maintenance of Mm. the rainforest. So, So
1: you have, so you have, you have, you have made demonstrable changes to your your, your life. One of the callers said, you know, actually, uh, I think it was Rosemary was saying, you know, they're focusing on the wrong things. They're focusing on air travel. They're demonising people who get into their cars and they're they're getting into planes to do what they need to do. And there needs to be an absolute fundamental change at a much earlier level. Where would you tweak the change?
5: Oh, everywhere. As you said, Um, so much is using it less how many aeroplane journeys are really necessary? Um, I I went for a, a holiday, admittedly, I think about um, five years ago, travelling by air, yeah. and I went again uh, for work five years before that. That was.
1: But you're not over yeah, me. David, it's been very interesting talking to you. We've got a lot of other callers, but that, thank you very much indeed. 03700 100 444. This email from Graham Raven, who says, air travel, motor vehicles, fossil fuels, eating meat are typically where the finger of blame is pointed when considering the generation of greenhouse gases and climate change. Yet one of the biggest culprits is fashion, the fashion industry. The common practice of buying cheap fashion items, wearing them once, discarding them on a regular and frequent basis was discussed, as was the enormous quantity of such discarded clothing then being sent to landfill. The fashion industry also consumes enormous amounts of water. It is time to ration fashion as an industry that is damaging to the planet, our health, and just as damaging as transport and smoking. Uh, Let's talk to Tony Hamilton, who's calling us from Southampton. Um, Tony, we've we've talked to a lot of people who say they have sympathy with Extinction Rebellion, but they're not part of Extinction Rebellion. You are a member, is that right? That's right, yes. me. tell me what you would like people to hear today
6: well what, I, what what we need to hear is how serious the problem of climate change is unfortunately what we get from the politicians is a complacent message that really oh it's all right and we're doing the right thing they are not 2050 and it is far too late for cutting our emissions we need, and we do need, to take drastic actions now, not in not in some future time. Uh, you know, politicians have had something like thirty-seven years since the first IPCC report, that's the International Panel on Climate Change, mm-hmm. which told us that we had to start reducing our emissions and since then emissions across worldwide have gone up and up and up and not surprisingly we are now in a crisis
1: so your, so crisis. Your, so your protest continues at what point do you say okay i think things are going in the right direction what is what is what is the top well, what are the top it, 3 it things start, on your it list
3: would start
6: if the politicians or the mm. government would actually tell us how serious it is, not say, oh, pat themselves on the back and say, oh, we're going for uh, carbon zero by 2050, but say, look, it is more serious than that. We have to start taking serious actions. Now, people will not believe and do not believe that there is anything really drastic about climate change mm-hmm. because we're just allowed to carry on do, as normal. Do the
1: ends always justify the means? Well, but
6: certainly in this instance, we, I, I mean, I personally have tried all the other means for years, and they have not achieved anything. So what, so would, you, what would
1: you be prepared to do?
6: What would I be prepared yeah. to do? I'm, I'm, as I say, I'm a member of Extinction Rebellion, will, I will support them, I may well be in London sometime next week, support supporting them
1: mm. uh, I mean uh, but, the, but those who climb on airplanes those who well, glue I'm themselves together
6: together I mean, in favor yeah. of the climbing on airplanes okay. but you know other other disruption and other actions that we, we somehow have to get the message across mm. that things are really
1: serious okay Tony thank you very much indeed for your call. I'm going to take one more on this we've just got a slew of uh, tweets coming in and then we're going to talk about Syria and what is going on uh, with the Kurds and with Turkish action going on there. You can talk about President Trump's comments this week we can talk about our own government's response to this whatever you like 03700 uh, this here is uh, from someone called trot till you drop uh, the only way to affect capitalism is to hit it in the pocket extinction rebellion by disrupting commerce is making a small step but it's a start capitalism will never ever listen to peaceful protest craig hall says it'll fizzle out like the occupy movement it's a slick corporate is distraction from the real the real cause of destruction on our planet which is capitalism the achilles heel is money rewards bad behavior we're destroying the planet for profit paul says tackling climate change and the effects of climate change needs to be disruptive to our current way of life as our current way of life is the problem this disruptive change will be far less disruptive it will be far less disruptive um, oh, I've just dropped off the end of my screen. Uh, this one here from uh, Thus Tweets. We are all annoyed by disruption that can be caused by protests, though I reckon we'd be a lot more annoyed at uh, the extinction of humanity, if climate change isn't taken seriously. So, I mean, most of you getting in touch on Twitter, at least at the moment, seem to be uh, broadly in favour of the direct action. Some of you saying it's not going far enough. Uh, Robert McCartney, you're our last on this, calling from Farnborough. Hello. Hi. Hi. So what are your feelings about the protests that we've been looking at this week?
7: Right. Your first caller had it right. This is a world problem. Britain's only producing 1% of the world's CO2, and if we did everything the Extinction Rebellion want us to do, it would make almost no difference to the climate change problem. Um, if they, One of your callers said, what's the alternative plan? Start a consumer boycott on China, which is far and away the world's largest producer of CO2, They're responsible for about 60% of the entire world's CO2 now. And um, last year, they increased their CO2 output in China by more than our entire annual output. So start a consumer boycott of China, pressurise companies to stop doing business with them, pressurise politicians to put economic sanctions on China until it matches the steps that we have already taken.
1: How, and how about how about stopping flights? How about curtailing flights or rationing flights? Well, how about doing something closer to home? Or is your gaze only quite far I away? Never
7: use, I never use uh, planes, and the planes mm. flying overhead are a bloody nuisance, so I'm okay. in favour of that. Rightio, thank you.
1: 03700 uh, 100444. Look, we can talk a, a little bit now about... Um, Your response to the Turkish invasion of Syria, the attacks on the Kurds that we have seen. We know that some 100,000 people have fled their homes in northern Syria. Uh, We've been hearing in the news that uh, yesterday there was an intensified strike on Kurdish positions there. What do you make of all of these? These were the people, after all, who who formed the frontier uh, of the fight against ISIS. They have held most of the prisoners in their um, makeshift camps. Do we need to help? Do we need to step in? What do you make of what um, President Trump has been saying this week? Our first caller on this is David Lawley-Wakeland, who's calling us from Paddington. Hello, David.
8: Hello there, Nita. Uh, Yes, I was fortunate or unfortunate enough to be making a documentary there in northern Iraq back in 2014. And I was posted with the Kurdish Coalition who were part of our coalition, and they would be find, that, find an ISIS um, target something like a mile away. They would call up the British RAF, and a day later, the tornadoes would come over and then flatten that ISIS position. Their job would then be to go in and clean out and go up and get killed. 11,000 of them, Kurds, in our coalition have lost their lives. A th- 11,000, that's women as well, they have women in their army, you know. And they're using they're using German machine guns. They're using our air force. And the reason they're there is because Cameron could not for, afford to just lose one British soldier after the you know Iraq war and Blair's disastrous 179 British soldiers. They had to kill, let somebody else take the lives for us. And the Kurdish army, we owe them such a debt of, uh, in, in in very recent history, as such a debt of. Uh, of it's so morally bankrupt what, and, 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 and uh, two-faced what Trump has done that Raab, Dominic Raab, if he had any decency, he should be standing up in the House of Commons and denouncing exactly what Trump has done, calling for a ceasefire, going to the United Nations if they had any thought left in them, and, go, and, 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 and demanding the, 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 the murder of these uh, allies and friends of ours who laid their lives down because our, they were our inventory, Our inventory, our we couldn't stand up there, couldn't go there because, you know, Cameron couldn't dare to lose another life. Mm.
1: Do you think we are in the position to do that when the American administration seems to be singing from a different hymn sheet?
8: Well, you know, it's all politics. It's the game. They wouldn't, Barab wouldn't dare say anything now, what with all the Brexit, you know, where's the, where's the next deal coming from? He wouldn't dare to stand up to Trump and say, mm. well, you know, that you're morally bankrupt and that you're back. What is he talking about with Dunkirk? It's utter nonsense. This is recent history. This is now. This is a few years ago. 11,000 Kurdish soldiers and women mm. have died on his behalf. It's just. It's just it's so disgusting, I can't tell you. you okay. know?
1: Thank you for your call, 03700 100 444. Uh, an email here from Alan Marshall. We mistakenly think that Trump cares about Turkey and the Kurds. Trump only cares about US interests, or rather Trump only cares about Trump's interests. Uh, Stephanie writes, uh, Turkey is a NATO ally, only in as it profits from the alliance. Buying Russian weapons was the first clue that Erdogan should not be trusted. let another call on this. Douglas, Douglas Moody is calling us from Cambridge. Hello.
9: Hello, Anita.
1: Hi, Douglas.
9: Uh, Well, I'm totally agreeing with the last caller, but my point is what we can do as citizens. Um, I've been to Turkey. I like Turkey. I like the Turks. Uh, But um, there are two pillars of their economy we can affect. One is tourism. Uh, We can vote not to visit Turkey as tourists, for a start. Um, The second one is boycotting Turkish products. Now, a lot of people here probably don't realize that every transit van that's on our roads today is made in Turkey. Mm. Also, if you want to buy a new fridge or a new washing machine, you don't have to buy a Biko brand because they they are manufactured in Turkey. So my point is a small one. But what we can do as citizens, we can affect their economy.
1: Um, Just to give you some of the latest that's coming in, just before we came on air, I noticed that um, Stephen Newkin was talking about an executive order in the pipeline where President Trump said... Uh, he would sign something that individual, named individuals associated with the Turkish government could have their assets frozen. We've had uh, other comments now coming from the Americans saying, look, we did not give them the green light to do yeah. this. We didn't abandon them. Uh, in fact, uh, this is word for verbatim from a statement from uh, military officials in the United States. Nobody greenlighted this op- operation by Turkey, just the opposite. We pushed back very hard at all levels for the Turks not to commence this operation. That's the US Defence Secretary, Mark Esper. Now it has started, is there any way of pushing back unless you engage militarily? How else are you going to do that?
9: I would say I wouldn't put any trust in anything that the American government's saying at the moment because I've considered that they knew what they were doing when they gave the green light to Erdogan um, because they're under pressure from him. Okay. I think they change their policies as the weather changes. Okay, Douglas. Um, Uh,
1: Douglas, thank you. That's just how I feel about it. No, thank you very much for your call. Tony Banks is calling us from West Yorkshire. Clive Sable is calling us also from North Yorkshire. You may even be neighbours. Tony, hello, first of all. You are ex-military, are you not?
0: I am indeed, yeah. Hi there.
1: Hi there. So just uh, tell me what you make of what you are seeing and hearing.
0: Yeah, well, first of all, I'd just like to say I totally endorse what the other two callers, the other two gentlemen have said. Uh, And I would call out the American Secretary of State for defence as a total liar, quite frankly. Um, They have have given the green light. The way they've given the green light is by pulling their troops off the ground. Turkey will never, would never, bomb, shell or attack locations where UK special forces... Are on the ground, and we've had some SAS in there, some F- SPS as well. And uh, what they do, they they prime target locate. So, like the other gentleman said, mm. the the Kurds uh, give the uh, give the locations to the uh, forward air. Yeah, they say that, he, what he that, was saying
1: was like, yes, you drop these, your bombs here.
0: That's the special forces. They've got laser guided equipment. They put lasers down on the target, mm. and then the aircraft come in. Very very effective. A very effective. You were, um, you were, um, you were, I,
1: If I remember yeah. rightly, and I, you've, we've spoken before yeah. on on yeah, different have, yeah. matters, yeah. haven't we? Uh, you, you were injured in in the first Gulf War. I was, yeah. And you've had a keen interest in the region since. I uh,
0: have.
1: One of the things that has been said, um, and has been countered by others, is that once you remove that SDF, Kurd, um, Free Syrian Force. Bullwark. Indeed, it allows ISIS free reign in that region. From what you know of that region, do you sympathise with that point of view?
0: I do totally. It's already happening. Okay, I ISIS have actually moved. To be fair, their time as, as like an a, as, a, a, as a as a as a large scale effective mm-hmm. fighting unit in various parts of Syria are, are numbered. And what they've done, they've regrouped in, uh, in, down in Iraq. They've okay. got large numbers. Large so, numbers so, down so you in do.
1: Let me just get Clive in. Clive, we've got only a minute left. What did you want to say?
9: Well, a very small point, but it's important. Uh, can somebody in the government uh, contradict uh, the comments President Trump made suggesting that the Kurds stabbed the Allies in the back during this... Second World War. It's such utter nonsense. Well, yeah, he said uh, they weren't there.
1: We, he said, where were they during the Normandy invasion, is what he said. Yeah, yeah.
9: yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, fine. But uh, yeah. the, the inference was was clear. Um, I, I, I don't want to labour that point. Mm. The second point I'm making 20 is,
1: seconds, is, please. Yep, go on, Clive.
9: ...is uh, I don't favour military access. It's too late to contemplate that. But diplomatically, I think we've really got... Given the time factor, I'm Thank just... You. It very bluntly, we've got to, got to put the squeeze on. Okay, 30. got to
1: put the squeeze, and the squeezes on us time-wise. Thank you all very much indeed for your call. Sorry if we didn't get to you same time next week. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Any Answers. Don't forget, if you want to hear any questions, or you'd like to invite the programme to your venue, then please go to the BBC Radio Four website and search for any questions. I'm Anita Arnand. Thank you for listening.